man, this was awesome. First off, can we uh, just thank, obviously got to always do it. It's been like three months since a gathering. I just was like, so who's blessed to be back together, to gather together? It's like you try and worship over church online and you just end up scrolling on Instagram while your computer's open to worship. Just me. Okay, cool. Um, Or snacking while you're worshiping. It doesn't work as much. First off, before I preach, uh, I am uh, Puerto Rican, you know, mom's white, so I'm a little Pentecostal, so I'll try not to go too long, Uh, but no no promises. If you walk out, I will call you out. No, I won't. Um, I want to thank Jason and Holly. Can we put our hands together for the Lomolinos? It's so cool. Honestly, I was, Mark and I were talking about... um, just how much of a legend both Jason and Holly are, and 20 years here, 20 years. Who has been here two years or less? Raise your hand. Two years or less. How about a year? How about just one day? Just kidding. So I'm saying, just just because he's not paying me to say this, and um, I, I had the privilege to travel a, a good amount through YWAM, 30 nations. I've been all 50 states. No, 49. Don't want to lie to you. Alaska, I'm still waiting. Don't worry. Um, what, what I'm saying is it's hard to find leaders like Jason and Holly. I'm going to say it, it's hard to find leaders like Jason and Holly, right? The Bible says there are many teachers, but few fathers. And so I just want to encourage you. I know you, you guys are here for this, but man, they are incredible leaders, both, you know, both of them, Mark and so many other leaders. So I just would encourage you that, man, this is such a ripe, incredible place to be a part of. I mean, we're here that we could gather outdoors. We're in California. We're in the promised land, right? Okay, so it's incredible. So um, I guess I could speak the whole time on on Jason just because of how much, honestly, he's changed my life. But let's let's go into a message. Can I, can I preach a message to you? Can I preach a message with you? Let's do it. With you? You're like, how does that work? We'll see. Um, Crazy times, 2020, huh? No, for real. Like, like, I, I th- this is going to be more of like a conversation um, than even like a preaching moment. I'm quite emotional on it. I'm good things. I'm talking about emotions. So I may weep. We'll see what happens. You know, don't judge me. Uh, I know you won't. But uh, I was I was Marco Polling with Jason. I'm like, hey, you know, and because I was like, I'm coming up here. Classic Jason. Do you want to preach? I'm like, if you want me to, I'm totally down. And so he's like, what are you feeling? I'm like, well, you know, the two messages God's put on my heart is Elijah in the cave and then the, uh, the Good Samaritan. And he's like, well, uh, you know, the last two Sundays we've been gathering, the first one I kind of alluded to Elijah in the cave and the next one, the Good Samaritan. I'm like, well, we're in the spirit. So that's a good thing, you know. So, um, but with that is that, you know, we have both the pandemic of, you know, COVID-19 and we will be praying for you tonight, so we will include social distancing prayer if you don't believe in laying on hands. So don't worry. We will pray for you um, with the face mask. Maybe not. Probably not. But we will have, you know, all the right things. But we we have, you know, this this thing with 2020, right? How many of you guys, just by a show of hands, you're like, 2020 is my year in January. Like, it hit this. You're like, this is my year year of clarity and vi- like how many churches like had the 2020 just like clarity you know what I mean it's like I saw a meme that said all the prophetic churches that said 2020 was the year I want my refund and it's just, it's just I was dying you know because it's so fun I just have been thinking my wife and I Chandler you know we 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 have friends at the Passion Conference so we we're over at Passion thinking of you know Hillsong United leading us into worship it was epic we we're like 2020 
let's go. You know, like, this is it. You know, this is my year. And, uh, and lo and behold, you know, we had both, you know, COVID-19, Australia was on fire. You know, don't forget, that was in 2020. Don't forget that. We had coronavirus, you know, but like, <laughs> Australia was on fire. I think it might still be pray that it's not, you know. Um, and then we go into, you know, uh, probably a greater pandemic, um, which we could talk more about uh, with racism. And the black community that's felt this for so many hundreds of years in our nation, and it surfaced, and, uh, and we, we even in our circuit ride community, we're leaning in to, to be the church and, and, and not even be the answer, but listen. I felt like the Lord said, specifically on the context of, of the, the, the conversation of race, to, to listen, have conversation, but listen, learn, and lend your privilege. And, uh, and we won't go into, in, I mean, we'll go into that partly, but it's just such a 2020 with everything going on, Yet we find ourselves, here's what's crazy, think about this. God knew that this was the year that you would be alive in Isla Vista, in, how do you say that, Galita, Galita? There you go, I just want to say it right, you know, I got corrected, I was like, whatever. Uh, God knew you would be here even on this Sunday. So, so just give you a little context, the sovereignty of God, yes, free will, but isn't it crazy, God said, in all the years that you could be alive, 2020, you were the ones that were supposed to be in the pandemic of COVID-19 and the tension of racism. God knew that you should be alive today. Isn't that crazy? That's just a crazy thought of, man, God, okay, yeah, all this is going on, but you want me to be alive today. You actually have something for me. And so what I'm going to do today, tonight, is I'm going to read to you. We're going to read the Bible a lot. I want to talk to you about John 11, about Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And here's what I want to do, okay? Because I believe that both it speaks to the hour and the year that we're in, but also I believe that it's going to speak to many of us um, on the area of disappointment in our life personally. And I don't know if you're similar to me or all of humanity, uh, but when, you know, you just got, you know, sucker punched by 2020, you're like, what is going on, Jesus? Like, seriously, like, where are you? Like, all this stuff is going on, and I just believe that in the midst of everything surfacing, God is speaking something fresh, amen? And so I hope it encourages you. If it doesn't, that's okay. I'm, I'm unoffendable. Um, at least you're outside in California, not in, like, the middle of America. It's awesome in the middle of America. I've been there, but it's not California. You know what I'm saying? That's why y'all here. Okay, so anyways, we're going to have some fun. Uh, I'm only here, you know, very few times, so if you're mad at me, too bad. Um, I'll be back. You can talk to me another time. Hebrews 12, key verse, all right? Key verse, if you like it, Hebrews 12. Let's turn to Hebrews. It's in the back. If you have to use the table of contents, zero shame. It's It happens. Um, Hebrews 12, check this out. Hebrews 12, Verse um, 26, it says, At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is the things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken, come on, I'm Pentecostal, so you got to say cannot be shaken. Good job. Amen. And the church says, Good job. All right. You guys are amazing. Uh, gosh, it's hard to do this. If you've been, I've been doing a lot of online, and it's like saying a verse, you're just like, say amen. And like the camera guy back there is like, amen. All right. And so sounds better when the church says amen. Amen. 
All right. Yet once more, that this, um, verse 27, this phrase, yet once more indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is the things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Verse 28, therefore let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship, which is reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Um, one more verse, we'll pray, I'll get into John 11. But isn't it crazy, when we think about 2020, I was, you know, processing with Jesus, kind of how we all do. I was like, man, God, 2020, year of clarity, you know, it's always like bigger, better, faster, God, you know, like tithe. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's like, it's always like, there, we're going there. But could it be, I was like, God, clarity. But I felt like the Lord, you know, highlighted to me, maybe it's clarity in what we took identity in. Maybe it's clarity in what we even had idolatry in. Maybe it's clarity on what are some of the issues, hence racism, that is widely accepted that needs to be dealt with. And I felt like the Lord said this 2020 really is a year that as things are surfacing, people are realizing, then what is the hope? Then what is the purpose? If I save all this money up and then it could go in a second, you know, if, 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 if people are judging me by the color of my skin, what is the purpose? And that's where we have the privilege to give them Jesus. But, but here's, the, here's the thing, specifically in the context with racism, we'll talk more about it, being Puerto Rican, my mom is white, but all my friends were black or Latino, and my only white friend growing up was my mom and half of me, you know what I'm saying? I joined YWAM, got a bunch of white friends, it was awesome. Um, it was incredible, it was awesome, I love all of them. But it's just, it's, it's so important how we go about, how we bring Jesus. And what's so beautiful about Jesus is he always used the power of conversation. And we're going to look at that in John 11. Keep flipping with me. I love the Bible. I know you do too. In Matthew um, chapter 9. Matthew 9. Anyone have the hard copy Bibles, the paper Bibles? Let me, let me see them. Okay, good job. iPhone copies, raise them up. Okay. It's good. Okay, check this out. Matthew 9, 30, um, 35 through 38. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. Verse 36, where I want to park at. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labors to the harvest. Pray with me. Lord, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for this church. I thank you for this mission. I thank you for the field of dreams. I thank you just for where we're at, even the year we're in, even in all the hardships and all the pain. I thank you for what's happening because God, you are doing something fresh and unique. And I just pray, Lord, would we be willing to listen? Would we be willing to have conversation that changes the world? In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Wish I had more time to tell you about the story of Chandler and I. Long story short, I'll just tell you a quick version. Um, because, you know, guys, when 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 woman of God walks in front of you, you got to, yes, you know what I'm saying? Like, so I had a lot of prayer, a lot of wingmans, and uh, she was in, just, God just hooked me up, and, you know, it's just, I had to say yes, I had to shoot out of, you know, my range, and, and, and God was, you know, I prayed and fasted a lot, and, uh, and she said yes, praise God. I didn't over-spiritualize it, don't be those guys, don't be like, God told me, that's weird, okay, that's weird, manipulation, okay, but moving on. Um, 
oh, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to go this way, actually. You know, like, we're going to go marriage. Uh, obviously, three years in. <laughs> uh, anyways. But, but, but here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about uh, Jesus' divinity and his humanity. Right? And so the reason I read those two verses, the first one, you know, it says everything is going to be shaken, but we have received something that cannot be shaken. Right? So right now you have something, regardless of uh, where you're going to go to college, where your cash is coming from, you know, are you going to have to Uber or, you know, Postmates for cheddar every day, whatever's going to happen, all that stuff, you have something that cannot be shaken, which is the kingdom of Jesus. And in the Matthew 9 verse, it says that Jesus did all these miracles, but guess what he had inside of him, which I know you guys all have, or we're going forward towards that, it said he had compassion on the crowd because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And so what I want to do is if that's how Jesus acted everywhere he went, I want to zero in on a conversation and a time where we see it play out, and that's in John 11. And I want to look at both Jesus' divinity and his humanity. And what do I mean by that? I think a lot of times as Christians, it can be so easy to just move past pain, right? To move past suffering, to move past what's going on, right? George Floyd, eight minutes and 46 seconds, right? Couldn't breathe. And then the racism context comes up and that conversation, two weeks of it, and white people are like, oh, I'm a little uncomfortable. Can we just move on? No, we can't move on. Why? Because there's pain, right? There's pain. And it's easy to feel uncomfortable when pain comes up. But what Jesus does so beautifully is he is the answer, but he does not, you know, dismiss the pain of people. Okay, I'm going to show you in John chapter 11, right? Can I show you? Okay, John chapter 11, check this out. Amen, get that. Back in church. Come on, somebody, let's go. Hey. You having a good time? I hope you feel a little uncomfortable. That's good. It means, means it's, it's fun. Um, it says this, John 11 says, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Now when it says ill, it means he was sick, but I'm sure it also means he was dope. Okay, so both, just for the context, uh, he was both ill and sick. He was dope and very, you know, physically sick. But he was also sick, bro. You know, anyways, uh, too much. I could keep going. I'm stopping, all right? <laughs> Dude, Lazarus was sick. I want to be sick. No. Uh, and let's keep going. Stop it. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. He is sick. But when Jesus heard it, check this out. Jesus goes, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the son of God may be glorified through it. You hear that phrase from Jesus and you're like, he ain't going to die. We don't got to go nowhere. Thumbs up. Amen, right? Verse 5, check this out, it's crazy. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, verse 6. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. If you like to write down things, you can. Uh, if you don't, you should write things down because we never remember things, you know what I mean? But moving on, if you aren't that person, that's fine. But the first thing I want to point out in these five verses is things aren't always what they seem. Super simple. I'm a simpleton, okay? So, but I'm going to give it to you. Things aren't always what they seem. I want to I hit another thing. God's way isn't your way. Isn't that crazy? 
I don't know if any of us would have picked this kind of 2020. Come on, God. I need the girlfriend, then the fiance, then the wife. Come on. And the cash. Do it, Lord. And you're like, I'm even more single this year than 2019. It's horrible, you know? Like, 2021, stop saying that's our year. Come on, we don't want to know. 2021 is going to be cool. You know, just we could just say that, you know, but God's way isn't your way, right? In John 11, 1 through 5, right, he says, he goes, this isn't leading to death, so he stays two more days. Isn't that crazy? He stays two more days through it. Verse 6, we're going to go. So when he heard that Lazarus, like I said, he stayed two more days. Verse 7, then after he said this to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? So pause real quick. This is right during the time when Jesus is getting ready to be crucified. This is at the time when he couldn't even be around Jerusalem. And, you know, he goes, Lazarus, your friend is sick. And he goes, this isn't going to lead to death. So he waits two more days, right? The person delivering the message is expecting Jesus to pick up all his things and rush over to Lazarus right away. I don't know if you've ever been there like me, but when I cry out to Jesus, God, I'm hurting. God, I'm depressed. Let's think in a bigger context with our nation. God, what's going on with this sickness? God, what's going on with this division? And we don't see God move like we want him to move does not mean he's not moving. Could be God allowing these things to surface so that he could bring the clarity, the direction, the impact, so that when it happens, we know that it wasn't our strength at all. So I would encourage you that if you're in a place where you've been petitioning to God, God, come, I need you in my life. I need you, come on, I need, come on, God, I need you. And and God isn't moving in your way. Stay patient because he is moving, but in his way, in his timing. Think about this. If God is speaking something to you and you rush there before him, you don't get there early, you get there wrong. I'm going to say it again. If God is speaking something to you, you're going to L.A., you're going to L.A., and you're like, amen, I'm going to L.A., God. But when God said you're going, that was a 12-year process. Too too soon? Right, okay. So, So you heard you're going to L.A. when you were 18, and you're 20, and you're like, God. We'll be old. And God's like, but just trust me, I'm building character. I'm building something in you because when you're 30, you could launch out to LA. But if you launch out too soon, you'll be wrong and the culture will actually take you down. You won't take down the culture. I'm going I'm to I'm keep preaching because I don't want to touch, you know, the, the, those things. But let's, let, let's keep going. So then Jesus, two days, right? Two days he waits. Two days more he waits. And you'll see in a second why. And then he says this. He goes, let's go to Judea again. Then the disciples go, yo, Jesus, these Pharisees, these religious people, right? They're seeking to stone you. Now, this is California. We're not talking about marijuana stoning, okay? We're talking about a di- with actual rock stoning, right? They ain't trying to, like, have him smoke the devil's lettuce. They're asking him, right? They're wanting to kill him, okay? That's, that's what it is. They're like, some people are like, they want to get stoned with him? Come on, you know, like, no, 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 no. You got to give context. So funny. Random story. Might not make sense to you. I'm going to tell you anyways. There's a friend of It's you know, we call it Christianese, right? When you speak in a language that people that aren't saved don't understand, you know what I mean? I would encourage you, which you guys are probably the best at, not to speak, not to assume, right, that people, like, understand what you're saying when you're, like, just saying, like, I was covered in the blood of Jesus. Now I slate is wiped clean. Someone that has no context, they're like, you were covered in blood <laughs> by some Latino guy named Jesus. 
And some kind of, uh, this dude is crazy. I'm a white, right? So, but funny story, my buddy who has like this huge context in the house of prayer, he, he was another friend of mine that did a YWAM school, literally smoked a bowl right before he got into his, the DTS. If you don't know what that means, ask your friend, but you should. And uh, got radically encounter saved, threw away his drugs. But he literally went to my friend who has zero context with it. He goes, man, we're blazing IHOP in the prayer room. My friend who's Christianese knew that he meant we're praying in tongues and getting wild, you know, and, and, and we're listening to the International House of Prayer, right? My buddy, no joke, this is real. He thought they were smoking weed and eating pancakes in the House of Prayer. He's like, this is the greatest YWAM base I have ever, this is real. Why do I tell you that? Just because it's, things aren't always what they seem, huh? <laughs> Just to encourage you. Moving on, all right, just fun. Sometimes we just need to laugh, you know. So anyways, why I said that, stone you, right? So rocks, obviously. Verse nine, Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles and becomes the light, and, and he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But I go to wake him up. Check this out, verse 12. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Verse uh, 13. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant taking a rest and sleep. Have you ever done this if you're like me? If not, it, maybe it's just me. You give yourself way too much content, like way too much like uh, um, courage, not context. You give yourself way too much credit. There it is, one of the C words. You give yourself way too much credit for, for like what you would do if you were in the Bible? Anyone ever do that? Maybe just me, okay? It's like the disciples, Peter's walking on water. You're like, I would have danced on water. Like, I would have, like, of course, I would have just like, yay, you know, whoa. You know, I just would have like, it would have been easy, you know? But like, it's like, yo, have you ever walked on water? Like, and you just feel like, oh, these disciples never know what Jesus is talking about. If that was me, I would have understood that when he said sleeping, he really meant contextually, theologically in the Greek and Hebrew that he was dead. No, you want it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like God says, trust me. And like, you're like, amen. And then a week later, you're like, where are you? You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's how we are, right? Just me. Okay, cool. Is anyone like that? A little bit emotionally unstable like me? Come on, raise your hand. It's fun to laugh at yourself sometimes where you're just like, I trust you, God. God speaks over your life. You are an evangelist. And you're like, yes, I am. So then you show up at Jesus Burgers. Never let someone to the Lord. Your hands are shaking. You're like, oh, no, okay. Okay, I'm going to lead someone to the Lord. And you look for like, you think it's a child, 12-year-old, but it's like the deepest voice of a 12-year-old ever, you're like, hey, buddy. He's like, get away from me. You're like, oh, my God. One rejection, you're like, I should just pray. I should not evangelize. You know, like, obviously, I don't have, it's just funny, right? It's funny how we, so in this story, it's so awesome. Why am I saying that? Because Jesus is speaking to them, but not clearly. Jesus is speaking to them, but in, you know, parables. He's saying, there's 12 hours in a day. You'd be like, what are you even, 12 hours? Like, I'm saying we shouldn't walk this way, Jesus. You're going to die with stones. Like, and Jesus is like, you don't, you don't understand. 12 hours, if you walk in the day, it's light. If you walk in darkness, it's night. And then they're like saying, if he's just sleeping, he's going to wake up. There's no need for us to put ourselves in uncomfortable situations. And then check out what Jesus said. This is amazing. Jesus finally makes it clear, because I need it. I don't know if you're like me. Verse 14, then Jesus told him plainly, yo, Lazarus is dead. You know, like, 
You didn't get my parable. He, he gone, like big gone. This is my modern version. I'm sorry if you don't like it. Um, and for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Think about right now, right? Jesus says in the earlier context, he says, this isn't gonna lead to death. Two days later, he's still dead. And we'll find out it's been four days he's been dead. It's really important. So then you question, you're like, God, you said it isn't gonna lead to death, but he's dead. What did you mean? But Jesus' ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. It wasn't a death that was leading in in destruction into death, but he was just going to be dead. He was just gonna sleep for a while. Can I encourage you in something? Just I want you to think about this. Conflict could be the way to your breakthrough. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it again for the people in the back. Conflict could be your way to your breakthrough. Let me explain a little bit. Jesus was putting himself in harm's way, but it was actually the place of the greatest conflict is the area that Jesus needed to be in. Right? And a lot of times, just think about this, a lot of times what happens is we try to avoid conflict and being uncomfortable, and we rather, and I put myself included, we rather stay comfortable, but what God's really asking us is to be uncomfortable in this season, to embrace conflict in this season, to embrace things that are unknown to us. Why? Because he's teaching us something special and a unique lesson for even this year. Think, think about this. Just for, I just want you to think about this. King David in the Bible, it says, when the kings go out to war, it said that King David stayed in his castle, right? The next verse following up, he sees Bathsheba, you know, showering herself on, a, on the rooftop. First off, the question mark is, what are you doing showering yourself on the rooftop? But we, we, only got, we ain't going to talk about that. But what I'm saying is that the will where God wanted David to be was actually at war. Just think about this. It's going to hit you. It's hit like some of us, but the place where David was the safest was at war. The safest place was actually the place that maybe most people would think that he could die. The most dangerous place for him to be was in his own castle, surrounded by his own guards, with his own people, not fighting at all. Why? Because he took himself out of the will of God, put himself in his own will, which led him to sleeping with Bathsheba and all this other stuff. What I'm trying to tell you is in the midst of what's happening right now, the safest place we could be many times God is leading us is not where there is no conflict. It's actually in his will. It's actually in his will. Come on, give me a let's go. I need more of those. Come on, let's I'm preaching right now. You better shout me down. Okay, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I feel good. I feel good. That's good enough for now. Just in 30 seconds, another one. But, but here's what I realized for myself, for all of us, is we want breakthrough, but we don't want the fight. Right? We want, we want the resurrection power, Jesus, but we don't want to put ourselves in the way of, you know, could get stoned, Jesus. Right? And what Jesus was showing them is he was saying, I'm glad he actually died so that you could believe. Why? Because what did he say? Because this is for the glory of God. Amen? Here's what's so amazing and we're going to keep going. It says in Psalms 23, right, it's so incredible. It says, he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. So, so here's what I want to encourage you. This is for you personally, all of us personally. If you feel a ton of warfare, if you feel a ton of heaviness, if you feel a ton of depression, anxiety, whatever is coming against you, if you feel an increase in the season, 
It's actually an invitation for fellowship with Jesus. Because it says, in the presence of your enemies, right? That means they're looking at you. What is Jesus doing? Let's eat. Let's fellowship. Let's dine. And I just want to encourage you that wherever you're at, even personally, whether and we're talking about both in a nation, we are in great conflict. What does Jesus want to do? One, he wants to listen. He wants to be with us, and I'll point to it in a second. But he wants to fellowship with us, with us. He wants to conversate with us. He wants to dine with us. Amen? In verse 17, as we keep going, because we want to pray for people, it says in verse 17, it says, Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Everyone say four days. Say it like you mean it. Say four days. Thank you back there. (laughs) Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, where, you know, the Pharisees wanted to kill him. It says, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Pause just for a second. This is just a fun thing to realize when you know Jewish culture and history like I do. No, I'm just kidding. But this is really fun. Traditionally, they believed a spirit of a person hovered around a body for three days. So after four days, there was no hope for any resurrection. So why that's so important, we'll find out in a bit, is that Jesus resurrects Lazarus after four days. If he would have been resurrected in one day, two days, even three days, superstition and belief in Jewish culture and tradition believed that the spirit was hovering. But after four days, it was impossible. I want you to think about this. What, what is a dream? What has God spoken to you on your life that you feel like is four days dead? What is something that God has spoken, maybe even in the context of stuff currently going on, man, this is never going to get healed. This is, this is never going to be dealt with. Maybe it's you personally. Maybe God spoke to you about starting a business. Maybe God spoke to you about starting a church. Maybe God spoke to you about being a mission. Whatever it is, maybe God spoke to you about fill in the blank, but what happened was disappointment and frustration came in, and it's been, quote, unquote, four days, not actual four days, but metaphorically four days. It's been to a place where it's been dead, and you have no hope for resurrection. I want to encourage you that that's when Jesus moves in in his power. Amen? Check this out. So Martha comes out, verse 21, you know, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Verse 22, but even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And again, remember, I'm talking to you of multiple things, but about God's divinity and his humanity. So Jesus knows, right, he's fully God, fully man. He knows that he's God. He knows what he's about to do. But here's what's a blessing. Here's what's beautiful. And here's what I believe as the church that we should adopt that Jesus does is he exercises not only his divinity, but he exercises his his humanity. He exercises his emotions. And check this out. So first he talks with Martha. And Martha has all the right answers, right, but doesn't pull out the emotion out of Jesus. We know this, and we won't go into it, but she, Jesus says, your brother will rise again. Martha says, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who is coming into the world. And here's what's crazy. Isn't it wild that you can have the right words to say to God, but not believe it in your heart? Do you ever feel that? Where you're like, you, you, you could recite, maybe you grew up in church, you could recite all the right things you could say all the right things like Martha did. Yes, you're the resurrection of life. And Jesus is trying to say, listen, 
I am the resurrection of life. I am. She's like, he will resurrect on the last day. And Jesus is going, no, you don't get it. I'm standing actually in front of you. And Martha's like, yes, he's going to, amen. You know, the hallelujahs, the praise God. And Jesus saying, no, you don't get what it, the miracle that is about to happen. I'm actually standing in front of you. We keep going in verse 28. It says, when she said this, we're reading a lot of Bible, like I said, this is, this, this is amazing. When, when she said this, it says, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep. Verse 32, now when Mary came to Jesus where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said to him, where have this Jesus, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And this is the Bible verse. If you grew up in church, you memorized for that candy when you're like five years old. It says two words. We all know what it is. Jesus wept. It's like your favorite verse. You're like, I'll memorize that. And Psalms, you know, like 117. And that's it. You know what I mean? And then you trick your, your, your siblings. If they didn't know the Bible, you're like, guarantee, memorize Psalm 119. They're like, okay. And they're like, oh, no. You know, anyways. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes, stop it, when, of the blind man also kept this man from dying. Well, I want to hit on two things. One, just real brief, and then the second one, and then we're going we're gonna to bring the worship team up and we're going to pray for you. But Martha and Mary, same response, different heart posture. Martha came indignant walking to Jesus and even kind of like theologically in some ways like debated, like, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. But she was standing, her posture was standing. She was looking at Jesus and saying, where were you? And Jesus is like, I'm, he's saying, your, your brother will rise from the grave. And then she responds, instead of dealing with the pain, she goes, oh, I know in the end of the time, in the last days, he will resurrect. And Jesus goes, no, I am the resurrection life. We already went over that. Mary comes, she's waiting for Jesus to call her first. And, and, and waiting for God is different than doing nothing. It's crazy, right? She's waiting on God. She's waiting on him. Even though Mar she knew that Jesus was there, she was deeply moved. And it says when Mary came, when Jesus called her, she came quickly and she fell at his feet. She says the same words, but she opens up her heart and she says, Jesus, if you would have been here, my brother would have been alive. And, and here's where I want to, in some ways, even highlight why I wanted to share this message. It says that those two words that Jesus wept that we always remember, but I feel like it's so important that those few words, those two words in that one verse was there. Why? Because Jesus right there gives us a glimpse into his humanity. Jesus knew that he was going to raise Lazarus from the grave. You ever think about it? He knew what was going to happen. He could have told Mary, like, don't worry. It's all going to be okay, like many of us Christians do right now. 
Race is coming up. Racism, white privilege, all this stuff is coming up. We're not dealing with it. The black community is hurting, and we're saying, well, we'll just preach the gospel, and everything will be okay. Yes, we are going to preach the gospel, but we're also going to weep with those who weep. We're going to mourn with those who mourn. We can't just rush hundreds of years of pain. Do we just preach the gospel to a woman in sex trafficking? Yes, we do that, but we make sure she's out of that. We make sure she has a home. We make sure she has things that are going on. We understand that the injustice and pain against her means that we need to understand her process. But with racism, we're like, you know what? We can't say Black Lives Matter because it's too, it's a movement. No, that's a biblical statement. Black Lives Matter is a God statement. It don't matter what we believe politically. What's happened is we've made it political, and Jesus is wanting to make us realize that these are people involved. These are people involved. They're hurting. The community is hurting. And in the same way, right, it says Jesus wept. And here's where I want to leave you. Not only with that, and, and so, put, put that emotion into every area, but I feel like Jesus wanted to show us that his empathy was just as great as his activity. I feel like where we, God's inviting us into, thank you, band, you guys are the best. Where God's inviting us into right now is he's inviting us not to rush what's going on in people's life. Doesn't mean that we're not preaching the gospel. We had our community go out to the corner of where George Floyd was murdered, and we got to talk and have conversation. I mean, if you... I helped host the protest in OC. It was awesome. Like, it was rad. Cops, you know, walked with us. It was incredible. We could talk later about it if you don't agree with that. Actually, yeah, we can if you want to. But anyways, what I'm saying is it's so beautiful what Jesus did with Mary is he didn't rush her emotion. He didn't rush what she felt. He wept with her. And then he goes, show me where he is. And then in the following verse, because I know the story, it says he was indignant and deeply moved again. Man, I just got to believe. Even knowing Jason, knowing this community, I'm sharing this with you. I'm just sharing my raw thoughts. But I just got to believe that this is where the church is supposed to be. The church is supposed to be in the chaos. The church is supposed to be in the place of being uncomfortable. But in the midst of stuff coming up, we're not just rushing to put a blanket statement or a small bandage on a deep wound. What we're doing is we're saying, hey, I'm here. I might not know what to say, but I'm here. I'm standing with, I'm for you. I'm with you. And so in this story, what's incredible is that, you know, Jesus shows his empathy, but then he shows his activity and his advocacy. Because he, we're not just weeping with those who weep. We're not just hurting with those who are. We're going to do that. We're going to give it enough time. And then we're going to transition at the right time to declare, hey, listen, but we know the resurrection of life. And again, four days, right? Mary and Martha have both those statements. But here's what's so crazy. Jesus goes to the tomb and he goes, roll the, to- roll the stone away. And you got to imagine this. You got to imagine that Jesus was getting ready for his own stone rolling away. He was getting ready to say, death, I'm taking you down over Lazarus and then I'm gonna take you down once and for all. Like it was like a precursor, you know what I mean? It was a pre-fight before the big fight. 
and goes, take the stone away. And then Martha goes, but there's going to be a smell. There's going to be a smell. And even though she said she believed and said all the right words, she still didn't have the faith to be in a place where it might get uncomfortable. But he goes, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And then Jesus prays this prayer. He goes, it's not for my sake, but for everyone around that they know that you sent me, God. And he speaks into the tomb, and he says these three words. He says, Lazarus, he says, Lazarus, come out. And in a moment, Lazarus, bound from his head to his feet, comes, you know, mummified. That would be kind of scary, but mummified, you're like, oh, my God. Oh, oh, Jesus, is that him? You know, you imagine, like, brought the wrong guy back. No, he comes out, you know, he comes out. And, and, and in that moment, what did Jesus say? Is he was showing everyone. It says that, you know, the Jews actually tried to kill Lazarus because the amount of people that believed because of that testimony. Why? Because it had been four days. Because it had been impossible. Because no prophet ever before recorded raising someone from the dead four days later. It was something only Jesus could do. Where my transition? My transition is this. In the place even where you personally or our nation feels like there's no hope. That it's completely dead. That it's divided. Jesus, you better believe that this is the perfect ground for revival. Jason and I were just talking about it in the 60s during the sexual revolution. That's when the Jesus Jesus people movement, whatever, Jesus people movement launched. Is that crazy? In the midst of the greatest pain, in the midst of war, in the midst of all this stuff, the Jesus people movement launched. And people are like, what in the world? Now we're at the wells of revival of the Jesus people movement, and we're not believing in the past or, or looking just back to the past. We're looking to the future. But here's what I want to do. I want to pray for two groups of people. And I'll have you stand up, and uh, if you want to come forward, you could come forward. If you don't want to be prayed for, don't come forward. Um, we could do a social distancing line. No, we can't. It's too much. I'm sorry. But, like, I don't think none of us have the coronavirus, you know, so I think we're good. If not, healing, please, God. I don't want to get sick. That's too much. Um, man, I just got to believe, like, the thing that I felt, if you, if, if you didn't hear anything I, I said, I believe God is highlighting our empathy as Christians. I believe he's highlighting our emotion to be with the people versus just rushing to the solution. Come on, we're not just opportunists waiting for chaos and being an opportunist and just, you know, well, Jesus is the answer. He is 100%. But Jesus would be with the people. Zacchaeus, he partied at his house. The woman at the well, he had a conversation. And even in Lazarus here, he wept with those who wept so that he could rejoice with those who rejoiced. If everyone could do this, if you could bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want to pray for two groups. The first group I want to pray for is uh, if you just feel in your life, and maybe in this year, but even personally, there's been disappointment. That you just feel like, man, there's been four days. There's been a thing that's been impossible. It could be family. It could be circumstance. It could be just this year. Whatever that is. If, and in a second, I'm going to have you stand and if you feel comfortable, you could come forward. I just believe that God wants to address the disappointment, the pain, even in the journey. God wants to address it, that even though you feel like he may not be moving, he's moving in an incredible way, and he's actually about to release his glory and his resurrection power. And so if that's you, if you just feel like, man, I need to deal with this disappointment, 
That disappointment could be looked, you know, turned into offense, turned into bitterness. Don't let it take you out. Come on, God is in the miracle working business, but he wants to address that disappointment with you. So if that's you, every head bowed, all eyes closed, I'll just have you just stand up. If that's you, just go ahead and stand up. Second category. Stay standing because we're going to pray both these together. If, if I believe that God is allowing us as Christians to carry both, right, the supernatural and everything of who he is, but also his humanity as we are humans, to carry emotion, to carry, and it's not saying that we're going to, you know, don't take this as being like overly emotional. You're like, that's you know, like, like, no, you just need to be grounded. You know what I'm saying? Like, but you get what I'm saying. The emotion of God, the empathy of God, and that's the word, is that if you've been asking God for more, maybe you've realized tonight that you don't have empathy. Maybe it's in the race conversation, the racism. Maybe it's in towards the loss, whatever category. If you've been asking God for more, or if you're saying, man, I need more empathy from God, and feeling his emotion because he was able to heal because he had compassion on the crowd. If that's you, if you want that, I want you to stand up. And no pressure if you're not standing because we want to make this a God moment. So if you just feel that. And you can stay where you're at, but if you want to come forward, you can. To my left, the area of disappointment. To my right, empathy. If you want to come forward, please come forward. I always like to come forward because it's taking a step out of where you're at. So left disappointment, right empathy in the middle. You're like, I need them both. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's where I am. And before we pray, pray these prayers, we're going to all heads can be bowed, all eyes closed. Everyone could stand. Everyone could stand if you can with me. You can stay where you're at. But I always like every moment I preach to just give an opportunity to surrender your life to Jesus. So maybe you're walking by, someone snagged you in, and you're, or maybe you're listening in a room somewhere, uh, not even here. If you are, come through. But I just believe if you haven't made the greatest decision of your life to follow Jesus, I'm telling you, it's the best decision you can make in your life. Following Jesus doesn't mean that, you know, life just supernaturally gets easy, but it just means that it's going to be worth it. That means that in the valley of the shadow of death, you got someone walking next to you. And the reality is, is that, you know, God requires perfection, but we can't be perfect. That's why Jesus came. Fully God, fully man, died on a cross. Three days later, he rose from the grave. And if you want to make that surrender to Jesus, here's what I'm going to do. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. So we could just give it a little bit of privacy. but And maybe you've, you know, grown up in church. There's a difference between growing up in church and saying, God, I'm giving you, I'm giving you my, my life. I want you to be Lord of my life. And it's not just by, you know, going to church makes you a Christian, right? Like standing in a garage makes you a car. You know what I'm saying? Like you go vroom, vroom. You ain't no car, right? This is a moment not to make it your parents' faith, but your faith. If that's you, if you want to surrender your life to Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, whether for the first time or the final time, what I'm going to do is I'm going to count to three. And if that's you, I want you to lift your hand. One, this is the greatest decision you can make in your life. Two, God is pursuing your heart if that's what you feel. Three, if that's you, I just want you to lift your hand. Amen. 
We'll wait for a few more seconds. Just lift your hand. If there's anyone else, if there's anyone else, thank you. Here's what we'll do. We'll just pray this together. Just say, Jesus. Come on. Say, Jesus. All of us together. Say, Jesus. Thank you for dying on a cross and rising from the grave. I recognize that I'm a sinner and that I need a Savior. And Jesus, I confess my sins. Thank you for wiping that slate clean. Christianese, I'm sorry. Ask me later, right? And I say yes to you, to being Lord and Savior of my life. Come on, can we give a shot to Jesus? Come on, for those who said yes. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm kind of weird like this, but if you have disappointments, I want you to put your hands to the floor, all right? And if you want empathy, I want you to open your hands to receive. No, no, I, not, not actual floor. I'm sorry. I just, you're like, you're like, this is weird. No, you know, I'm sorry. You're like, this is grass, Sammy. Um, hands to the floor, not touch the floor. I'm so, I should have been more clear. I'm sorry. Hands to the floor. Empathy, open your hands to receive. And just close your eyes. And if you were over there, you don't want to be closer and you want to receive that, it's for you too. Just say this with me. Uh, for the people that want to release disappointment, just you guys pray, no one else. Just say, Jesus, I give you my disappointment. I give you my offense. Whatever this four days is for me, I trust you, Jesus. I trust your leading. And I declare, this is important, that I'm not carrying this burden any longer. And whether I see it in my day or my children's day, this is a crazy prayer, I know, more my children's day, I trust you. I'm going to pray for you real quick. Lord, I just pray, Lord, for everyone who's had disappointment, Lord, I just pray, Lord, you know exactly where that is. Lord, would you heal? Would you bring uh, just just complete healing, complete restoration, God? And we trust you for those four days. If you're praying for empathy, I want you to pray this with me. And just receive, if you're praying against disappointment or releasing it, just, just pray with the Lord. But for empathy, just say this. Say, Jesus. It should be all of us praying this. Say, Jesus. God, give me empathy, God. Give me compassion. Give me your emotion. Jesus, you're not a robot. And I'm not a robot. And people, say this, and people, they're not robots. They're broken. They're hurting. Lord, I want to be in the midst of that. Point them to you, but feel the pain and the empathy. I'm going to pray for this. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would use the church and use this church. I know you're already doing it, but use us, Lord, to carry your empathy, to carry your compassion. God, I pray that we be overwhelmed with your emotions, God. I pray that we be overwhelmed in the areas of not only righteousness, but justice, Lord. All areas of injustice, God. Lord, we pray specifically, Lord, we hate racism. It is sin, God. We hate that the black community feels such pain. And as Christians, we will stand with them. We will be with them. We might not understand. We might not have all the words. If, they're not, if we're not people of color, we might be white. But, Lord, we say to take the long road into understanding, to listening, to learning. And, God, I pray, Lord, even for this city, God, as college students leave and come back as people are here, God, break our hearts for what breaks yours so that we can see miracles, signs, and wonders, Lord, in Jesus' name.